0: Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time
1: to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to the next episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And you know, we're in the spring and spring is conference season for most associations and industries and users groups. It's just the time of the year where people have conferences. I think that the spring and the fall are usually when we go to these things. One of the reasons is, is that the winter, you got to deal with all of the travel issues, and are people going to get snowed into certain cities? And can you even get there? Can your attendees get there, even if you have it down in Florida? And then in the summer. It's just hot in a lot of places, and people's kids are out of school. It's hard to ask them to get away for three or four days. And so this time of year, the spring, but also the fall, is really heavy on conferences. And of course, as a professional speaker and professional master of ceremonies, I go to a lot of conferences all year long, but I especially go to a lot of conferences in March, April, and May. And I'm preparing for a couple of big ones. One of the ones is for the second year in a row, I get to be the master of ceremonies, for PLM World, which is the Siemens Software Products Users Group. And you might remember if you listen to the show regularly a couple of weeks ago, I talked to one of the board members from PLM World, John Jarrett, and we talked about his career and we talked about the event. But as I'm getting closer, and we're only just a little more than a week away now from the event, I thought I would talk to another one of the board members from PLM World about what do you have to do to prepare to go to a big industry conference like this. So today I have Tim Storer, who is a strategic programs guy for Procter and & Gamble. And he is uh, preparing to go to this conference in Orlando. And I thought we would have a little chat about what you have to do when, when you're going to a conference. So Tim Storer, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you, Tom. Good to
0: be here. Thank you for having me.
1: So tell us a little bit about, about who you are and, and your career and what you do to get us to get us kicked off.
0: Sure. I, uh, I, I work for Procter & Gamble. Uh, Procter & Gamble being... Uh, one of the large multinational corporations in consumer products. We make everything from Crest toothpaste to Tide detergent to Pampers to Gillette razors, a whole host of um, products that uh, touch people's lives every day. Uh, I work primarily in the uh, strategic programs area, so anytime we need to do a a major category reset or if there's uh, work in in building a new uh, supply chain to set up or entering into a new country or launching a new enterprise software system, I'm often involved in those and responsible for uh, determining how to implement that with excellence and make that successful and and bigger than ever expected.
1: So much like John, you are also involved with PLM World. Why don't you tell everybody, not not everybody heard that episode two weeks ago, what is PLM World?
0: Sure, Tom. Uh, PLM World is an independent industry group that serves the customers of Siemens PLM software, and we keep using this acronym PLM, standing for Product Lifecycle Management. And at its core, it's really the idea that someone can manage a product all the way from the initial concept through its end of life in the marketplace. And depending on what product you're having, it may be a matter of days until it's used and disposed of, or it may be a matter of years or even decades. Uh, and that it's important to understand that product from <clears throat> its infancy all the way to, to its grave and that lifespan, uh, which is a very big and ambitious concept. So we've narrowed down the user community of Siemens <clears throat> software to have a more focused discussion on some of the tools that are used to help achieve this for companies and what are the big challenges they see, what are the big opportunities working together collaboratively in an, in, as an independent organization to help raise the entire level of the industry.
1: Now, one of the things I find so interesting is you work in a company that specializes in sort of consumer packaged goods, and we had John on the show a few weeks ago, and he works for a company that builds rocket engines, and yet you're using the same product. Tell me, tell me about that.
0: <laughs> that is interesting, and that 's one of the the things that 's most fun about going to industry events and conferences like this is we find oftentimes the the challenges that we 're experiencing and that are just emerging in the consumer product space uh have already been solved elsewhere in other industries, and vice versa we 've already solved certain challenges that we 've been uniquely exposed to that other companies are now starting to see and other industries are starting to uh experience we have a tremendous amount of research and development spending as well as um both manufacturing and supply chain and product development work that occurs within the company uh and so <clears throat> from a, a basic engineering perspective or a technology perspective uh the work doesn't end up being very much different it's still the uh the same types of of analysis and challenges uh and the opportunity to collaborate across industries is where a lot of the innovation we found really comes from.
1: So it's fascinating to me that, you know, someone in your position, you know, who's come along and grown up inside the company and done a lot of different things, would volunteer so much time to be involved with a users community for for a software product like Siemens PLM. What is it that got you involved with PLM world in the first place?
0: Mm. <clears throat> Well, I have been a uh, an attendee many years uh, at various events and conferences, not only with PLM World, but also other industry events. Uh, I always kind of look at these uh, sort of events as the, the cheat code of the industry, if you will. I have friends who are very much into the uh, computer gaming industry and uh, both playing the games as well as developing them. And I, I find that there's a lot of um, interesting insights they're able to gain as far as uh, human psychology and how we think. But one of them is that people really enjoy being able to discover a new, fresh uh, cheat code, which allows them to go to the next level or to skip past a certain activity or to slay the dragon, whatever the particular game is. And that's really what uh, these sort of conferences and events um, look like to me. is It's the opportunity to find that, that cheat code from someone else, uh, a new discovery and insight that is out there that I may not have been exposed to previously. And rather than having to develop it and work through the uh, day-to-day challenges the same way that I would in isolation, I can skip ahead and and move past that. So I've been involved for many years uh, as an attendee and and sometimes as a speaker as well, if there were areas where I felt like I could uh, contribute and add value. What really pushed me to get more involved is I saw a lot of uh, very interesting innovations that were happening by third parties. They were creating one-off solutions that were augmenting the capability of current tools in the industry. And I felt like it, somebody needed to invite them in and help them be a, a much bigger part because they had a very strong voice to play and they had created solutions to ideas that many companies didn't even realize were challenges yet. And so uh, I volunteer and, and continue to volunteer in order to invite them in and to make sure that their ideas are exposed and they have a voice in the community and a maximum opportunity to help raise the level of the industry.
1: Well, and people who listen to this show regularly know I am a huge believer that if you want to be successful in your career, and it doesn't matter what industry you're in, I believe you've got to be involved in your industry groups, whatever those look like, and they're going to vary. Some will be associations. Some will be users groups. There's a lot of different types of industry communities out there, but I am a big believer that you you have to be involved, and and I live by that. I'm very involved in the National Speakers Association, and I always tell people that I I never would have been able to build this career as a professional master of ceremonies and professional speaker. If I hadn't gotten involved in that group because I was just exposed to to so many different things and kind of as you said, you know, I didn't have to reinvent the wheel every single time I hit a roadblock in, in my business and I make the joke that if I was a plumber. I would be active in the National Plumbers Association. And if I was a locksmith, I would be in the <laughs> National Locksmiths Association. So I am a – I mean I drank the Kool-Aid on what we're talking about here. But I get a lot of pushback from people who say, you know, my industry conference or the user group for you know what I'm involved with, it's a four-day conference, which means I'm out of the office for a whole week. So why are conferences like this really a good use of an individual's time?
0: Yeah, that's that's an interesting question because that is a a large investment. And I know uh, personally I have uh, sponsored many folks within my company to attend events like this. And that means that I'm paying their salary throughout the week. I'm paying their travel. I'm paying their uh, hotel and lodging. I'm paying for their meals. uh, It's a quite uh, significant bill. and I think people come to industry events like this for many different reasons. Um, Interestingly, the... What they usually come away with, in my experience, is they have discovered something entirely new that they didn't necessarily know they were going to find when they came in there. Just being part of the hallway conversations with folks, um, seeing some of the ideas that are being presented, and having those conversations on a one-on-one basis. Companies are rightly very uh, cautious with what sort of information they share uh, when they're sharing something in in a public forum. And so, oftentimes, if you're trying to uh, collaborate using uh, um, just industry publications and looking at uh, what sort of patents are out there, or uh, sending emails back and forth with someone, it, it's difficult to get a, a true sense of what is the uh, progress that's being made, what are the insights that they can offer. Uh, on the flip side of that, sitting down with someone and, and having a conversation over lunch on a particular presentation which was just shared, oftentimes will lead to all sorts of new discoveries that um, people wouldn't have even thought to ask. And that's what my folks keep coming back with each time that I I share that with them. They go for the training. They go for a particular need that they have or a, a challenge that they're looking to solve or they're looking for a particular company that maybe can um, help resolve an issue that they're uh, fighting against but they come back with something else that they didn't even discover they
1: needed. So PLM World also has sort of a partner trade show that goes on and I was actually very impressed last year at how engaged your attendees were with actually attending. Sometimes those things you can hear crickets in the in the trade show room and everybody went and participated and was involved. Why is getting to know the partners so important?
0: I think the partners are bringing a lot of uh, what I'll call innovation at the boundaries. So there's, there's core capabilities of any tool that's used, be it, uh, the, the Siemens tools that we focus on or other tools in the industry. But all along those, uh, the, the perimeter of that tool's capability, there are needs and there might be a need in consumer products for um, being able to manage vast numbers of, uh, of products that are quickly disposed. It may be on the other side uh, that, that there's a very strong need to manage data that is enduring for decades because of the, uh, the lifespan of those products. And whenever we reach a boundary of what the core tool can do, it's the partners and those third parties who step in and say, I see an opportunity here I'm willing to create a solution for that, and I think that's what's really exciting is ninety uh, percent of the partners or maybe at least over half of them depending on what company you're presenting uh, probably don't have a, a solution that is in your sweet spot and what you really need right now, but those ten to fifty percent that do have a solution uh, it can it can just break the whole world of innovation wide open within your company for finding a solution that uh, wasn't previously available. And so I think that's where a lot of the excitement comes, is, is it's that search and discovery, not knowing what's going to be around the next corner and what you're going to find, but knowing that there's, there's a few hidden nuggets in, in there that are going to put you on an entirely new trajectory and what your capability is as a company.
1: So, if someone is going to be attending PLM World or, or really any conference, because I think this is like a generic answer, if someone's going to a conference of this size, because PLM World's you know close to two thousand people, it's a it's a big event and it's four days long. And if someone's going to be attending an event like that for the first time, what advice do you have for them to prepare to get the most out of being there?
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's a really good question because I think that. Uh, There are people who are very successful at going to conferences and we've all seen them and we have all uh, interacted with them. And then there are folks that um, you you maybe didn't even notice had come because they they haven't jumped in and they haven't been uh, a part of the conference. Uh, A couple of just very basic tactics that I find have been very helpful when I attend is to have a list of here are some of the things I would like to learn about or here are some of the challenges that I'm facing uh, and to use those as conversation starters as i move around and, and chat with different people and go to different sessions um maybe i'll have i'll come in with six different ideas and i say you know this is this is either a blind spot in mind where i need to go and fill that or this is a a um, challenge that i'm looking for additional insights in uh, and for particularly the technical community which is what we we focus on is those who are technologists or technology background Uh, I think small talk is often a challenge, and so I've found it very helpful to uh, come with a list of those challenges and kick off the conversations that way. They start to roll. They start to move into a direction that uh, is hard to predict and oftentimes uh, amazing in its own way, Um, but it it gets that conversation started and ensures that uh, I'm not simply an observer but really a participant.
1: Well, I think one of the best questions that you can ask, and and you are right, I, I speak at a lot of tech conferences and a lot of people are, you know, they're a little more introverted or even if they're extroverted, they're still a little bit more shy to just sort of have that conversation because industry standards aren't to be like, you know, in everybody's face. One of the best things I've found is to ask people, why did you come to this event? What were you What were you looking for? And that that is good for two reasons. Number one is it gets the other person talking. Everybody came for a reason. They don't, usually don't have to think a lot. It might be my boss told me to come. It might be we're facing a challenge and I'm looking for an answer. But whatever it is, when they share that with you, it might be something you hadn't thought of. So not only does it get the other person talking, you immediately either reinforce your own purpose for being there or you pick up a second valuable reason for being present.
0: That's a terrific insight, yeah, because uh, as we were talking earlier, people do come for all different reasons, Uh, and most of them get their needs met in their own way, but uh, they're not all uh, uniform uh, attendee, right? It's a very, very diverse group.
1: Sure. And this year I'm excited. I I not only get to, in addition to being the master of ceremonies, I'm going to actually do one of the keynotes and I'm going to be speaking at the first timers breakfast. So you guys are keeping me a little bit busy this year, but the whole idea is to try and get people to be able to maximize their attendance at the event when it comes to You know, engaging with others, because that's really, you know, all opportunities in our careers are going to come from people. And one of the great things about an event like yours is you meet people from different companies. All of a sudden, maybe you've found the next employee that you hire when you guys have a strategic hire. Or, you know, maybe you find your next job when it's time for you to make a move upward. You might have met somebody at the conference. So the people are so key. I mean, the information is fantastic, but the people are so key to really maximizing that event.
0: I'm glad you, you keyed in on the people concept because I think that's really a, a core insight is companies really do nothing in and of themselves. Uh, it's the people within those companies that do. It's the, the people who are going to be signing contracts. It's the people who are going to be making decisions, who are going to be determining the fate of the company overall. Uh, and they bring emotions into that situation. Whether we uh, admit it or not, we have a lot of... Uh, emotional attachment to the passions that we bring to work each day. And that human aspect, sometimes we uh, forget in this digital world where answers to specific questions are right at your fingertips uh, on Google, if you know what question to ask. And you can uh, find those sort of transactional experiences uh, very easily outside of a conference environment. Um, but that's missing the other half, which is the the people and the um, how the organization's and this ecosystem really leaves, uh, lives and, and breathes.
1: So this is only going to be my second year at PLM World. You've been to many, many PLM Worlds. What are you most looking forward to this year?
0: That's a good question. Um, I think I'm most looking forward to uh, the uh, solution center environment. Uh, we have a, a whole host of new uh, solution providers this year that are coming and, and sharing their insights and what they've been up to in the industry, and I think that's exciting. Uh, in that space as well, we have a, a place for, we call it a knowledge theater, which uh, offers kind of a 15-minute quick demonstrations of uh, skills and insights and ideas, uh, kind of more in a TED Talk type format um, that's very easy to consume and quick takeaways uh, that you can get as well. Um, to be uh, take it to the next level here as well, my organization is spread out quite a bit um, throughout the company and and my network over the years has grown to include many companies and The opportunity to visit with folks again and understand um, are they have they been able to solve the issues that they were dealing with last time we had a conversation. Um, Are they uh, experiencing new issues, new opportunities? What's the world look like to them? I have about uh, a dozen or so folks that uh, I've been communicating back and forth with on email in preparation for seeing them face-to-face again this year uh, so that we can pick up right where we left off last time and the connections that were made previously.
1: So, Tim, I've got a couple more questions for you before I let you go. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Tim Storer. So if you want to start a podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Tim, I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk a little bit about your career because you've grown up a lot in your organization. You've had a lot of different jobs and roles. And one of the things I think is that entrepreneurs just aren't people who start companies. There's a lot of people with that entrepreneurial spirit who take ownership of their careers inside large companies like Procter & Gamble. And when I was looking over sort of your bio before we started chatting, and one of the lists of areas that you're passionate about that's on your bio, it says entrepreneurship inside the corporate world. And so I thought we would shift gears a little bit, and and let's talk about how has your career been entrepreneurial even though you've worked for big companies?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, Tom. Thank you for uh, bringing that up. I actually dabbled a bit in entrepreneurship before joining uh, Procter & Gamble, which is kind of the, uh, the opposite side of the spectrum, <laughs> if you will, of uh, starting something and, and bootstrapping it to a, a very large corporation with lots of, uh, of resources. And One of the mental shifts that uh, I made that uh, connects the two worlds together very clearly is I think of the corporate work really as being an entrepreneur with a venture capital funding. Right? It's very similar Uh, contract in that you have this uh, basic alliance that needs to be built in these relationships with, in the case of entrepreneurship, this venture capital firm or whoever is providing the funding. In the case of a corporation, it's whoever's in the senior management position who is granting uh, funding for new innovations, new projects, new product launches, uh, whatever ideas that you're bringing to the table. And they end up operating actually in a very similar way. Um, And, you know, entrepreneurship brings, I think, a lot of great mindsets to the table. Um, As I have worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and and mentored some in various accelerators and whatnot, one of the themes that I find is entrepreneurs are frustrated by situations that are occurring now. They they see opportunity for uh, improvement in the world around them. But they don't stop there. They also find a certain joy in being part of the solution, uh, not necessarily just wanting to get to the end and wanting to have that problem solved, but they they find a joy in being part of that solution. I think that mindset is the same mindset that makes successful people in the corporate world, which is I see opportunities in the world around me right now. I see things that are imperfect, be they how the organization is run or our work processes or the products in the marketplace or a product that should be in the marketplace that isn't, let's find the joy in creating that solution. Let's find the right folks to provide funding who will be passionate about this and who will hold the reins for us and bring that group together, create this solution and change the world in that small way uh, through the process of, of finding joy in the solution process.
1: So, what have you like totally loved about being entrepreneurial inside a company? What's been great about your career?
0: Mm. I think what I've really loved about my career is the people that I've worked with, just amazing people that I've had the opportunity to work with inside the company, partner with outside the company, uh, who are looking at the world as opportunities for where it could go, not simply as. Uh, tasks that need to be completed, but um, creating a a vision of the future and working through the steps to actually achieve that and to create the difference that uh, we would want to see in the world.
1: So if someone's listening to this and they think, I want to be more entrepreneurial at work, I love your, I personally love your analogy that, you know, having an entrepreneurial spirit inside a company is like being an entrepreneur with venture funding. I mean, you've got someone backing you, but at the end of the day, you have to find the joy in those solutions. I thought what you said was, I mean, it just like sang to me, and I think will resonate very strongly with the listeners. But if someone was to call you and say, Tim, well, I want to be that way, what advice do you have?
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that's, uh, it's, I think it's a different challenge depending on the, the company that they're in, because I know... Some companies uh, are a little bit further behind and not quite as accepting of, of that sort of mindset, and and it can be challenging. Um, and I think we'll find those sort of people in each corporation, right, where there's a a lot of different mindsets. But the opportunity that lies within that is to um, help to create that change and that culture. And I think the first step of that is the, the curiosity in the world around you and the. Uh, continuous focus on learning and developing and being better yourself. So not just creating solutions for the company, but creating a path for yourself to continue to uh, grow and be stretched and challenged. Uh, And many times the entrepreneurial ideas that are truly breakthrough are ones that have to be started um, in your spare time, so to speak. It's the, the staying after for a couple of extra hours. It's the um, thinking about it on Saturday morning, and until it really is a, to a point where this idea and this concept or this approach is something that can be uh, shared with with the management, and we can start to build some momentum in there.
1: So, Tim, how important do you think business relationships are to a successful career inside a big company?
0: Mm. I think this is another one where uh, the mirror between entrepreneurship and the corporate world is is very clear. Um, Relationships are how things happen. It's how things um, build and grow, and our reputation is what allows us to move on to bigger and better things. If you're an entrepreneur and the the first project uh, was unsuccessful, it's much more difficult to have the second project be launched with the same fanfare, uh, and I think the same thing happens within the, within a corporation. When we think about relationships. I think the irony in them is we often expect relationships to be enduring and to last forever and because of that, uh, we oftentimes uh, have an imbalance in a relationship where one party has uh, is getting all of the benefit and the other is um, simply getting pulled along or dragged along in the relationship process, be that um, just interpersonal relationships on a team or um, larger corporate level relationships between an internal and an external firm. And I think the um, key insight that that is important here that uh, I continue to try to drive home with uh, the folks that work with me is that it's okay if relationships end at some point. In fact, Ironically, those that last the longest are the ones that we look at on a renewed basis and say, does it make sense to continue having this relationship? Is it a relationship that people are finding value out of? Because what I think that forces us to do is define what value we're looking for in the relationship and what value we are providing, and then work very hard on making sure that the value the other party is expecting is over-delivered uh this is something that we uh can create a difference in in their world if it's uh you know even in a mentor and mentee relationship which we often think of as as very one sided uh there's a lot of benefits that a a mentee can raise back up to the mentor and if we have a, a situation or an, a kind of an alliance as Reed Hoffman would call it in his uh his recent book on managing organizations if we have That mutual um, relationship understanding that it's based on where we're at in this moment in time and we're going to make it the best that we can right now, that sets us up for success down the road as more and more opportunities grow.
1: So Tim, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So what is the coolest thing you're doing in your job right now?
0: (laughs) Uh, that's, a, that's a fun question. Um, unfortunately, I uh, am unable, unable to answer that question right now. I'm actually on a uh, program that is um, very uh, secretive in nature um, because of the breadth and scope of its uh, work. And so we're, uh, we're keeping everything under wraps in about uh, 18 months or so. I uh, will have a, a much better answer for you on that one.
1: God, I'm wondering, what is the big secret in packaged consumer goods? That's exciting. Now, now I can't wait. Stay tuned for more. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think that great entrepreneurs and people with entrepreneurial spirit. I think that they're observers. So I love to ask my guests before I let them go, who's an entrepreneur out there who you admire, who you think, wow, they're doing cool things.
0: Hmm. Well, the the first one that comes to mind when you ask that is a, is a bit cliche, perhaps, but uh, Richard Bronson and and the reason why he's the first one that comes to mind is i think he has struck the balance of frustration and joy in the solution uh very well and he's been very outward with it and i think that's that's why we see that so well is um he he finds in many different industries areas he's frustrated with and wants to go fix but is able to instill that joy in the people that are working around him and so he not only is is creating a difference and a, and a vast fortune for himself, which is uh, you know, part of what drives people, I understand. But he's also creating a, a cultural change that is lifting up and, and challenging his competitors to change their methods and their practices. And I think that's helping employees all over the world. Uh, and so the ripple effect has just been uh, tremendous and, and much larger than uh, probably is intended simply by creating a, a business and the, the narrow mindset that we often uh, approach entrepreneurship with.
1: So, Tim, I want to thank you for stepping up and being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If people want to find you, how would they how would they do that? Or the other question is, how do people find PLM World if they, they happen to work in that space?
0: Sure. If they're interested in PLM World, um, plmworld.org is the uh, website pretty easy to remember there uh it'll have all sorts of information about uh industry group uh events that are coming up we have several uh, different uh technical focus areas where folks are working together across industries at uh creating solutions that will benefit the uh, the industry and making those widely available a lot of good passion projects within there as well uh if folks are interested in contacting me the easiest way to find me is uh, on linkedin i'm uh uh, active on LinkedIn, uh, Tim Store. There are a couple of Tim Stores out there. Uh, I'm the one with uh, at Procter and Gamble, and I'm happy to uh, connect with folks ac- across industries and um, folks who are looking for opportunities, folks who are looking for solutions. Uh, very much welcome to have uh, folks connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, begin the relationship there.
1: Excellent. Well, I look forward to seeing you very soon at PLM World 2016 in Orlando, Florida. And I'm really excited that I get to come back and, and be sort of the host, the Master of Ceremonies. And this year I get to share a little bit more of my content by uh, doing a keynote for you guys. So I'm really excited to be there this year.
0: Thank you, Tom. And You've, you've done a terrific job for uh, our organization. And we're, we're very excited to have you continue to be a, a part of this group. Uh, I'm looking forward to the event, and uh, thank you for having me on here on the podcast here today.
1: Absolutely, and thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do community. Jump on over to the Facebook page and, and follow some of the stuff that we're talking about over there. If you like the show, go leave a review on iTunes. I say this all the time, and almost nobody does. Break the tradition. Be the person who goes and leaves that review on iTunes. And then finally, if you're interested in finding a way to jumpstart your career, we have the private group coaching community, the Cool Things Project. It's a small but mighty group. We meet weekly with a little uh, Zoom hangout. And everybody in there, we've got some solopreneurs, some early entrepreneurs, some people who want to be entrepreneurs, and a couple people who have jobs who are just looking to be more entrepreneurial in their company. I think that it is turning out to be a really good community community with a lot of value for people. So if you're interested, you can jump over to tomsinger.com, go to the about button and drop down, there'll be a thing that says group coaching program. Find out more about that. We would love to have you join us in the cool things project. So, we're out of here for today, but we're going to be back in just a couple of days with another episode where we interview somebody just as cool as Tim. But in the meantime, you go out there and have a great day.